Who remembers that song? I want to show your age. John's laughing. <laughs> You're Cliff Richards fan, mate. So? Cliff Richards, not Keith Richards. Come on. All right. This morning I want to talk to you about the law. Okay, really exciting subject. Uh, one that we're all familiar with. Um, but the law still stands, is what I want to entitle this morning's talk. And we're going to start in Romans 8, verse 3, and through to verse 4. You can follow it up on the, I believe it's up there. Yep, cool. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. Cool. I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word, Lord, that it would guide us in our walk and our everyday life. That, Lord, we can capture the heart of what you're saying to us this morning and bring it to light in our life. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, human nature generally despises injustice, doesn't it? I mean, how many of you find yourself getting angry when you're watching um, some sort of show or you hear a story of, of an injustice being done? You know, something rises up within us that, that demands justice. And that's just human nature. It's who we are because we're created in the image of God. And you know what? God despises injustice. He is a just God, a just judge. And that's who we are and that's who he is. And so, you know, while we demand justice, we don't always want justice to be served on us. We want to be able to get away with things, don't we? And, and so there's a bit of a hypocrisy happening there. But you see even in the Garden of Eden... When Adam and Eve sinned against God, they rebelled against God and uh, justice had to be served. Perfection was no longer perfect. Imperfection had found its way into the garden and God had to deal with it, so he banished them. As James was saying today, it wasn't a rejection, it was, it was actually for their own sake. So they wouldn't be um, dealt with by justice, but by grace of God. And so we see that their answer to it, in their feeble attempt to cover their sin, Adam and Eve, basically, it says in the Bible that they sewed together some leaves. Okay, and I don't know what that looks like. I've got a bit of an imagination of what that might look like and it's making me feel itchy just thinking about, <laughs> you know, leaves covering me. Um, but that's cool. You can use whatever imagination you've got to imagine what that might look like. But it was a pretty pitiful attempt, wasn't it? And God said, hang on, guys, I've got to fix this up. All right. And so an innocent animal was sacrificed to provide a covering for their sin. Now, obviously, that's a picture of what would happen when Jesus came and died on the cross. The sacrifice of an innocent 
to cover the sins of the guilty. And so we see that played out in the Garden of Eden. Why? Because the Lord demanded uh, perfection and when imperfection came along, justice had to be served. It's the only right thing to do. A holy and just God can do nothing else. He can't go against who he is. And we wouldn't expect him to do so. But here's a bit of a timeline of events. And so that happened, let's imagine that's a year dot. Okay? Let's fast forward. I don't want to bore you with the details of the next two and a half thousand years. Okay? And we come to Moses. So Moses arrives two and a half thousand years, they say, after the Garden of Eden. And so Moses leads it the Israelites out of Egypt, they're wandering there in the desert and they come to Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, God meets with Moses and gives him the Ten Commandments. So just realise that, I don't know if you ever thought about that, but for two and a half thousand years, people lived without the Ten Commandments. You would think, well, how did they get things right? Well, there's a thing called your conscience, Okay. And generally, if your conscience is working well, it guides you in roughly the right direction. Okay? We have an understanding of what is right and what is wrong without any rules or regulations. And so that's 2,500 years. Then you fast forward another 1,500 years and you get to about the time of Jesus. So 4,000 years from Garden of Eden to the cross. And so 10 laws by that time had become about 630 laws. You had your food laws, your social laws, um, all sorts of laws. Why? Because the conscience of men and women was becoming so deteriorated that they needed rules to keep them in line. And now we can judge them and say whatever we like, but in actual fact we look at today's society and we're governed by much more rules. All right, and there would be thousands of laws and rules. Ninety percent of them we wouldn't even know exist. Some very obscure laws and rules that societies have invented to try and keep people on track. And I don't know if you ever had conversation with people about some of the injustices of the world. And one of the comments that always comes up is, "They should make a law against that." It frustrates the heck out of me, you know, as if someone else has to take responsibility for my inability to remain on course with what God has put in my heart. Why is it that mankind needs rules? Why is it that because we've lost connection with the perfect being that is God? And so it deteriorates over time. And as it deteriorates, we find ourselves creating more and more laws, more and more rules to keep us on track. But it's not how God intended it to be. He's always, if you read the Bible throughout, it says that he puts his laws on our heart. In other words, he speaks to us about what is right and what is wrong. And generally we understand that. Even a child who has no understanding of laws has a general sense of what is right and what is wrong. As parents, you've realised about your children. They know when they've done wrong, haven't they? Even before you've told them. 
And so we know that that's part of our nature. And so 10 becomes 630, and Jesus comes along and says, hey, no, you've missed the whole point, guys. I'm going to bring it right back to 2. Okay, let's go back to the Ten Commandments. And you see that the first five... There, that's right. I was going like this. The first five is to do about loving God. The last five of the Ten Commandments is about loving each other. So let's just concentrate on those two commandments. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind and all your understanding and love one another as you would love yourself. And that's it. Who reckons they can keep those two? Come on. All right? Eh, you're wrong. <laughs> All right? Even those two. There's something in us that just we just can't get right about it. And we try oh so hard to make it right, but it, we just fall short. Romans 8 tells, or Romans 6 actually, I'll get to Romans 8 in a minute. Romans 6 tells us that we all fall short of the goodness of God. The trouble with us is that we compare ourselves to each other. Um, you know, we think, I'm not a murderer. Yeah, I've, I haven't committed adultery. And we compare, you know, I'm not as bad as Hitler. <laughs> yeah, but we're not meant to compare ourselves to each other. We're meant to compare ourselves to the perfect standard of God. And that's where we fall short. Because perfection is perfection. All right, I know that's deep and takes a bit of thinking about. But once imperfection taints perfection, it's no longer perfect. You agree with me on that? Perfection is right up there. It's perfect. No blemish, no stain, no taint. And once even a small dot of imperfection taints that, it's shot, it's gone, and very hard to get back. But we try oh so hard to do it, don't we? There's something in our humanity that wants to say, I'm going to do this. I can do it. I'm going to strive. I'm going to achieve what God wants me to achieve. But my friends, it's impossible. Why? I know myself. I fall short many times. And you can judge me on that or you can look yourself in the mirror and say, yep, I'm the same. Okay? And, and so we have to come to that place of realisation that with God, with man, it is impossible to meet the perfection of God. But God in his grace gave us an answer in that. And that was his son, Jesus Christ. Let me keep reading here. So Romans 8.3, we read it before. It said, God did by sending his own son. Okay. So what the law was powerless to do, God did by sending his own son. According to John Piper, he said, The law cannot remove sin. It could only identify it, name it, and point us away from it. It was never meant to save us or set us apart for God. You want to say it in Christianese? The law was never meant to make us righteous or to sanctify us. 
It was meant to show us our desperate need for a saviour. Okay. Galatians 3 verse 4, 24, sorry, says, The law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified, say it with me, by, by faith, not by obedience, but by faith. Now that might seem like a bit of a shock to you. That we are justified by faith, not by obedience. Get your head around that one for a little while. So the law is like a road map. If I want to know how to get to Sydney, a map is not going to show me what Sydney is like, it's going to show me how to get there. The law is the same. It's not going to show me what God is like, it's going to show me the path to God. All right. Now you look at uh, scripture like Psalm 119 verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. It shows us a way. You like that scripture, Jamie? You love it. Who else loves it? Hey, all right, a few nods of the head there. So, keeping the law was never meant to bring us right before God. Okay. Some sound gremlins this morning. But it does show our utter desperation for a saviour. So even if there's only two laws to try and get right, we still fall short. And even if we thought we could get those two right, God actually shows us through the law that it's not about our action. Jesus, Jesus was explaining this to the, to the religious crowd. He said, it's not about the action, it's about what's in your heart. So if you say, you know, he says, the law says you shall not murder. Actually, let's, let's read it. Let the scripture explain itself. Matthew 20, Matthew 5, verse 20. Sorry. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. All right? So Jesus has taken it beyond keeping the Ten Commandments and he says you actually have to actually exceed that. You have heard that it is said to people long ago, do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And rightly so. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother, who's ever been angry with someone? Who's ever felt like giving them a punch to the face? <laughs> okay? So even if you didn't punch him in the face, you're still guilty of breaking God's law because it exposed something in your heart. Okay? It, and he keeps on going. Not just murder, he says... In verse 27, you have heard it that it was said, do not commit adultery. Okay, again, that is the act of adultery. That's the law. But Jesus actually raises a bar and he says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her. Where? In his heart. 
God looks at the condition of the heart. Another example of this is in Matthew 19 when the rich young ruler goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what must I do to attain eternal life? And Jesus lists off a few of the, the Ten Commandments. And the response of this young man was, I've kept all these since I was a young man. But Jesus saw through that and he was looking at the heart. He says, you lack one thing. You lack one thing. You still fall short. Even if you keep all the commandments, you still fall short. Why? Because perfection, there is no grades of perfection. Once perfection is broken, it becomes imperfect and you fall short. So you either fall short by an inch or you fall short by a mile. You still fall short. Okay? I like it when you're, you're stirring someone up because uh, you know, their team lost or something like that and they go, well, we only lost by a point. Well, <laughs> it's still lost. You're still lost. You still did not make it to that line. And it's like going to God and saying, well, God, you know, I only broke one little law. Yeah? I wasn't like Stalin that killed millions of his own citizens. Hey, well, it's still falling short. And the Bible says in Romans 6, we all fall short. There is no one that is perfect. Only one person walked this earth who was perfect. His name was Jesus. Okay, Jesus showed us what perfection looks like. The rest of us, um, we're in varying depths of doo-doo. Okay. You can figure that one out for yourself. And so as Jesus was explaining this concept to this, this young bloke, it says he walked away sad. Why? Because I believe there was a conviction in his heart that he knew he just couldn't do. Yeah, he tried so hard to obey every law. He thought he had attained what God wanted him to attain, and yet there was still more. It was still just out of reach, out of reach. And so the question came from the crowd, who then can be saved? Who can reach this level of perfection? Jesus' response was, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. Can you say that with me? With God all things are possible. And that's where faith comes into play. It's not about our obedience, it's about our faith to the obedience of, of Jesus. So the law has not been abolished. The law still stands. God still demands perfection because he is a holy and righteous and just God. There is still that standard we as each human being have to attain. And so you're either going to attain it by obedience, which we've already established is an impossibility, or we're going to attain it by faith, which is a much easier path to travel. And that's a choice we have this morning. If you want to try and do it on your own, God bless you. 
or pick up the pieces along the way. It's an impossibility, my friends. It's by faith. Now, all your actions may be right, but you know in your heart there are still thoughts. There is still the heart condition that is not totally right before God. And that's where we fall short. But all hope is not lost. If we go to Matthew 5 and 17, Jesus speaks and he says, Do not think that I have come in to abolish the law or the prophet. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So again, my message stands true. The law still stands. Jesus did not get rid of the law. He did not come along and say, well, it's a free-for-all, now do what you like. He said, the law is still there. But I have fulfilled them. Fulfilled. Can you break that word down? Fulfilled. Everything that was required of the Lord has been filled to the full. It's not full sum, full little bit, and I've got to do a bit more myself. It is fulfilled. Turn to the person next to you and say, the law has been fulfilled. And we accept that by faith. Fulfillment of the law in our own life comes about by us trusting in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. Because what was impossible for man is now possible through Jesus Christ. A person just needs to put their pride on the shelf and humbly accept the offer. I don't need to do that. I'm going to do it myself. Well, stay warm and well-fed, brother. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll see you somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Pride stops us for accepting the offer. I'll do it my way is you know, a life song for some people. <laughs> you know those people? Cool, I feel like I'm in a singing mood this morning. I might sing some more. And watch the crowd run away. <laughs> it is fulfilled. The account is paid. Who here likes shopping? And I'll be really general here and, and broad. We all like shopping, don't we? They've even coined a term called retail therapy. What's retail therapy? Ed Inca. And we all love how we save money when we spend money at a sale. <laughs> hey, I've never understood the logic of saving money when you've actually spent money. Yeah, but I've saved $20. Yeah, but you already spent 50 bucks. <laughs> you save money by not spending. That's my logic. Might be Italian in me, but... <laughs> that's the way I am, so that's the way I am. Okay. Now, I've gone off track. I forgot, I, was, I forgot where that was leading. <laughs> okay, yep, now I remember. And so let's imagine, just to bring an example to this point, let's imagine you've gone to, um, I don't know, just for the 
sake of an example, let's, we've gone to Bunnings and we've walked around the shop and we've bought everything that we've desired. We've racked up a huge account and we've gone to the front counter. We say, can you put this on my account? So we're racking up thousands and thousands of dollars worth of you know, plants and tools and hardware and all those little knick-knack things that we don't really need but we want. And then we get the account at the end of the month and we look at it and go, oh my gosh, I don't have the money to pay that. You're in trouble with the law, aren't you? Because the law that says if you owe money, if you build up an account, you need to pay it according to the terms and conditions of that account, normally within 30 days. You know what I'm saying, don't you? And it's the same if we use that in a spiritual sense with, between us and God. Every time there's, there's something in our life that happens, a, a bad thought or you know, a wrong motive, it builds up an account against us. There is an account that we cannot pay with God. And we try so hard. And you know, sometimes we have this thing that you know, if I do more than, than more good than bad, then that's going to build up my account in a positive direction. That's not the way it works. It is an impossible account to pay. Why? Because perfection is no longer perfect. It's imperfect. And so by faith, we need to put our trust in what Jesus has done. It's called the great exchange. Jesus' perfection for our imperfection. Jesus' righteousness for our unrighteousness. And that is accepted by faith, not by anything that we do. So you can't pay your account. The business takes you to court to try and recoup their money. And the judgment will go against you. The judge will lift up his gavel and bring it down in the judgment of guilty. I don't know what law applies to that, but guilty of not paying your account. And that could mean a fine, it could mean time in jail. Whatever the penalty is for that. But then we get a sense that Jesus steps in and says, hang on, I'll pay that account. I took care of that. I have fulfilled everything that was required of that account. So you don't have to anymore. How many of us would be pretty happy about that we would we would be happy that someone else paid our account and how ludicrous people is sometimes how we think we think well the account's been paid but I've still got to pay something still you know I've still got to pay but there's nothing to pay anymore by faith, Jesus has paid our account in full. 
is taken and exchange our imperfection for his perfection. Let's get that into our spirit. Let's get that into our heart. So does that mean we can go about doing whatever we want? Does that mean we don't have to worry about keeping the law? No, that's not what I'm saying. Please don't do that. And if Paul was an Aussie, he would say, Are you fair income crazy? Of course that's not what we're talking about. The law becomes our guide light, our light, our guide into how we should live. It's there to guide us in how to live a good life. Here's uh, two scriptures I want to get close to finishing up on. John 13:35 says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And Matthew 3, verse 8. Prove by the way you live that you have already turned from your sins and turned to God. And so the Bible for us becomes a light which we follow. I shared that scripture before. It becomes a lamp which shines a light on the path we need to follow. And the two that he's boiled down to is to love God and to love one another. And the world will know that we are followers of Christ through that love. If you want to do it, in your own strength I can't stop you I'm not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do but you will fall short I can guarantee you that one thing but if you by faith want to accept and it's not the easy road it's an easier way to God in a sense that Jesus has fulfilled every requirement that God wants from you. If you want to become a follower of Jesus and exchange your imperfection for his perfection, then this morning I want to extend an invitation to you to come and accept that. And that's what it takes, guys. Just by faith, accept what Jesus has done on the cross. And your imperfections will be dealt with. They will be cast aside. Does that mean you're going to start acting perfectly? I don't think so. That becomes a progression. That's what we do for the rest of our lives till we go home. But we will be saved from sin. When we accept Jesus, we are saved from sin. As we follow the word of God, we are being saved from the power of sin. When we return the presence of God when he when we pass away or when he comes back whichever comes first we will be saved from the presence of sin it's an ongoing thing but the first step is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and that's what I invite you to do this morning as we wrap this thing up if you want to accept by faith what Jesus has done for you here's another example maybe bring light to what I'm sharing who here loves an omelette come on an omelette a few capsicums cut up a bit of onion a bit of bacon or 
Hallelujah. You always got to have a bit of bacon or ham in there. All right? Manly omelette. All right? You know what I'm talking about. All right. Okay? So you got your carton of eggs, you pick up the first egg, you crack it on, into the bowl. Beautiful egg. Clear, clear white, nice yellow, orangey yolk. Okay? It's a good start. You grab the next one, and you open it up, and you think, oh, that smells off. That's really bad. That egg is gone, but it's already in the bowl. You think, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do here? I know what I'll do. I'll just put the rest of the next 10 good eggs in there, and that'll make it good. No, it's not, not going to work, mate. Not going to work. No, why? Because... Imperfection has tainted the perfect. And it doesn't matter how many more good eggs you put in there, it's still not going to be that perfect omelette. It's always going to remain that element of that rotten egg. If you don't like omelettes, what about you know, a glass of water that, you know, pure, clear, untainted water? But for some reason, I don't know how, some bodily fluid has entered into that glass. Okay? A bit of saliva has dribbled out and gone into that glass. Not your saliva, someone else's saliva. Okay? Who's going to take that glass and drink it? Mm. No. I know I'm sharing extreme examples, but I want to get the message across. Okay? Now, we could go and tip that glass into a bigger container of water and then get it back out again and drink it. But still, there's still that yuck factor in there. You know, you still, your mind still thinks, oh, there's still that saliva in there somewhere. Okay? It's perfection ruined. It doesn't matter how much good we try and put into it, it will still remain imperfect. And that's the dilemma we face. By faith, Jesus can correct that by the great exchange. Your sin for his perfection. And that's the invitation we have this morning. We can either humbly accept that or we can think. See, but even your indecision is still a decision. Your indecision is still a decision. You have to actually decide to say, Jesus... I want to accept what you have done for me by faith. I mightn't fully understand it, but I want to accept it. And that's the invitation I'm going to close with this morning. We've come close to the service. If you want to accept that decision, if something that I've shared with you this morning realises that if you had to stand before God at this very moment, you would be guilty. And the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how much you've given to charity or how many people you've helped. You still fall short. It might be just by the smallest of margins, but you still fall short. So can I close as we just come to the final moments this morning? I ask you if you want to accept what Jesus has done for you, 
then please just raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you. Okay. Okay, let's pray. If you want to pray along with me, that's fine. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that his sacrifice and my faith in that sacrifice will bring me in right standing before you. And that my faith in that sacrifice will exchange my sin for Jesus' perfection. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And that death has given me victory. And I take a stand even this morning to live by your word, to turn away from sin and follow the word in my life as it is revealed to me by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer this morning, you have made an exchange in your life. I want you to believe that. Exchange has been made. You now stand perfect before God. It's a great feeling to let that sink into your heart and be a part of who you are. You now stand before God perfect. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you guys. I trust you have a blessed Sunday. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up there and invite Pastor Jamie back up. Um, now, we, we aren't allowed to sort of mingle, but we are going to give time for us to sort of stop and chat to one another. But I'll let Pastor Jamie explain it. Awesome. Thanks, Pastor Rodney. That was... Ooh, hi. Okay. So, yeah, let's... Um, yeah, I'll... We'll give you guys like, you know, 10 minutes. So catch up with some people, you know, all that social distancing stuff. Yep, that's cool. So, um, but yeah, catch up with someone and, and hey, uh, when you leave this place, let's, um, you know, why not go for a coffee or something like that or have some lunch with someone. And, and yeah, everyone just have a really good Sunday. So um, at, you know, a little bit after 10 to 12, I'll, the butchers all out of here. Anyway, God bless you guys. Have an amazing day. Great to see you all.